0: And if you, you know, if you're ever curious, if you ever get a chance to, you know, you should just pop out there just to see what God's doing sometime. It's awesome. Uh, There's some great people out there, Uh, you know, just peek in and see, see your brothers and sisters a little bit south of Toledo, because we are one church, two locations. Amen. And so Pastor Joy is out there. They're quiet. Yeah, it's not, not quite, not quite as, as rowdy as South Toledo, but no, we've, uh... You know, we've kind of created this atmosphere for God to show up and to show off here. And, you know, and I just want to let you know, you know, this, you know, when you come into an atmosphere like this, it it is it is by tears and prayer, and it's not just one person. I mean, I mean, there have been leaders that have laid on their face and cried out for God to show up here, I mean, for years and years. And so when you come into an atmosphere like this, it's it's not from one person, it's not because the leadership you know figured it out no it's because there've been faithful men and women that have came, that have said i want to see god move in this place and and he shows up and so we're doing the same thing for for waterville and so it's hard tilling you know what i mean when you haven't created that atmosphere you know we were lucky you know pastor keith and them they kind of they kind of we call it uh you know they kind of tilled the ground before we were here and so we realized that we build upon a foundation that was already laid but even with that, I mean foundations crack and and you can, sometimes you gotta go in and fix things and so so we feel like we've you know we've been tilling here for eleven years in South Toledo and so it's only been one full year that we've been tilling in Waterville. The Lord gave me this word a long time ago, and this has nothing to do with the the our message I'm about to share, but I just want to share this with you. Uh I remember because sometimes you forget. Do you know that? I mean, sometimes you just forget. You know, I mean for example, when the enemies reminded you of how good life was back in the day, he's making you forget when you was throwing up over the, over the toilet, when you was being arrested uh for being stupid, you know when your heart was broke because of this person and that person. Yeah, he makes you forget all that. But he but oh yeah, oh back in the day. And so, you know, sometimes even in Christ we forget. You know, we forget when God, you know, did something or we forget the work that was, you know, that that we had to go through and You know, at the beginning, I mean, this was, it was, I remember coming in every single Sunday at the very beginning of this, and it was like, I mean, come on, Pastor Steve, Pastor Earl, and we're like, man, it's like hitting a brick wall every single Sunday, every single Sunday. And so, uh, like I said, man, God is good, He's faithful. (laughs) I mean, I don't, we came in here, there was no brick wall today. I mean, it was just like right into, you know, Pastor Dorinthia, right into the throne room, like BAM. So. (laughs) So guess what you know there's some brick walls out in, in waterville that we're, that we're hitting against, and that 's cool because the Lord gave, gave me a word one time when I was on my face here and I was praying he said don't you know that I 've called you to dig wells Uh-oh. and so Ooh, digging good. wells is not fun I mean it, it's a, it's hard work, but what happens when you do that work? Friends in the Old Testament, they would dig wells anybody here live out in the country or all you guys get city water everybody here get city water is any So we don't know anything about that, right? We don't know anything about having wells or any of that stuff. Okay, it's much work. But back in the Old Testament, they used to have to dig their own wells to get water, and so friends, it's hard work to get that refreshing, right? So it's you know, so we we've dug wells here in South Toledo, and now we're digging wells out in Waterville. So so continue to pray as as we're as we're plowing the ground as we're trying to create an atmosphere where where people are free to love on Jesus. The way that you guys love on Jesus right here. So, amen. That's good. All right. We're, we are almost finished with our kingdom, uh, the kingdom series. How many of you guys have been enjoying this, this series? I just want to let y'all know, man, I miss y'all, man. This is good to be here. I miss y'all. It's been a while. I need to grab my water. I miss (laughs) y'all. That's right. I like loud and rowdy. Been raised around that my whole life. All right, so let's pray and then we're going to get into our word today. Father, we thank you, God, for another opportunity that we have to gather together in your name. God, that we can gather in your house, that we can freely receive the freedom that you paid for us on the cross. And God, we don't have to leave this place bound and chained with lies and deception and strongholds. But God, we can walk out of here, God, with the freedom that you've given us. And Lord, we thank you. Let your word bring freedom today. In every area of our life, we ask this in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Now, I just want to go ahead and let you guys know this. uh, the The title of this uh, message is "Having a Kingdom Mindset About Money," and I just want to uh, just go ahead and throw this out there that you know, um, we you know, we're not one of those churches that take two and three offerings. Um, You know, we're we're not one of those churches that that is always preaching on money. To be honest, the last time we actually talked about money was like two years ago. But the thing is, is money is such an amazing tool and when we're talking about the kingdom, we've been talking about a lot of different things about the kingdom. Well, having a biblical perspective on our finances is a part of the kingdom and Jesus talked about it a lot. And so, I'm robbing you of a blessing if you don't have a biblical, say biblical, biblical, biblical understanding of money. Now, mind you, there's, there's, there's error that happens in the, in the body of Christ, um, with money. You know, I mean, they have, there's, there's all kinds of stuff if you watch on TV where it's like, you know, sow your $25 seed and whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, there's just people that are perverting the truths because there's truths about reaping and sowing. And I'll tell you, man, my heart was really grieved about a year ago when I was flipping through some of the, uh, uh Christian stations and there was a guy who I highly respect and, uh, and he was like, Give your, give your seed of 2017, you know, of $2017 for 2017. I'm telling you, man, that's just like, that's like perverting the word of the Lord. So just know that because I probably err on not sharing on it because I've seen the abuse of it. And, but yet when I do that, I'm not releasing the biblical context of what, of what sowing and reaping really is. So just know from my heart from this. And I'm the type of person that if you don't have, the Bible says, to be a cheerful giver. If you feel manipulated, or you feel like we're, uh, uh, you know, trying to pull money from your pockets, then then don't give, because 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 that's first off, my heart is bad, and God's not going to honor that. And and if you're just giving because you're manipulated, not out of, out of cheerfulness, then then there's no blessing in that on your end either. So we're going to have, I know that's pretty tough. We're going to have a, a biblical perspective about money. And so the thing is is Friends, we need to learn how to handle money without it handling us. That's good. We need to learn how to handle money. See, there's too many people that are being handled by money and not handling it. Money is a powerful resource. Friends, nations fight to have it. People live for it. They die for it. They kill for it. They lie. They cheat. They steal for it. Friend, it's the leading cause of stress and anxiety it's one of the top two leading causes of quarrels and strife in marriages and relationships. Have you ever, friends, just think about this for a minute. Have you ever lost a friendship out of a money situation? Have you ever lost? So that just goes to show you the pull and the power that that little piece of paper has on people's hearts. And it's sad. It's sad that, that you would have a, 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 an investment of a relationship go sour over a piece of paper. But It happens. It happens. Because the love of money, right, is what? Root. The root of all evil, right? Not not money itself, the love of it. And there's too many people that they love it. So friends, um, you know, business people embezzle it, they embezzle it, the poor man tries to win more of it. <laughs> yep, really Have you gotten lucky on your numbers re- uh, le- recently here? Probably not, that's why you're still sitting here. James chapter 4, we're going to read a few verses here, James chapter 4, <laughs> verse 1 through 3 here, and... uh I love what James, I love the way James, uh, says this because man, I think all of us can relate to this. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? Uh oh. The battles that, does, that, that are within you. You desire to have, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight you do not have because you do not ask god and when you ask you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures say on my pleasures see a, see a lot of times people see we don't have a full biblical perspective on money because we want money so that we can spend it on us and get more stuff for us wow <laughs> Where the Lord wants to bless us that we can be a funnel and a tool to use where he can flow through you to resource the kingdom of God. And so it's appropriate to say that money is the desired thing, that people will fight and quarrel over it. I mean, and and when we get it, man, we want to use it for our own advantage, spend it on our own pleasures. But friends, let's just redirect our perspective today. Uh... How many of us can agree that God is the master of the universe? Say amen. 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 And so he's the master of the universe, not He-Man. I know some of you all watch He-Man back in, yeah. back in the amen. 80s. Come on. Skeletor, remember him? The master of the universe. No, he's not the master. Jesus, right? God is the master of the universe. Amen. And the Bible actually says that everything belongs to him. Say everything. everything. Everything belongs to him. It says in Psalms chapter 50, verse 10 and 11, It says, for all of the animals of the forest are mine. Whose are they? God's. He said they're mine. And I own a cattle on a thousand hills. Who owns them? God. He's talking, right? I own every bird on the mountain, and all the animals of the field are whose? God's. He said they're all mine. So he owns everything. So, real quick here. So it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26... It says, for the earth is the Lord's and what? Everything. everything in it. So everything belongs to God. Look at your neighbor and say, everything Amen. belongs to God. God. Am I making this up? No, this is His Word. He lets us know the truth about what He owns. And He says, I don't own some of it. I own all of it. Everything is God's. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 1. Check this out. It says, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. The earth is his footstool. So just imagine here. How many people in here own a recliner? How many people wish they owned a recliner? See, now now what I do is, see, when I go home and I sit on my couch, I kick my feet up on my coffee table. Does anybody here have, like, one of those little tables? And what do you do? You probably, why? Why do you do that? Because it's yours, right? Right, you kick your feet up. on. Would you go over to your friend's house and kick your feet up on their stuff? <laughs> Right. I mean, that would be that would be that would be probably that would be probably disrespectful unless, you know, you had it like that where you would. You know, I mean, if somebody was to come over to my house and just prop their feet up on on my table, I'd be like, hold up. I didn't give you permission to do that. You know, you prop your feet up on what you own. Right. It's mine. My own up on it. So check this out. Jesus, it says that the earth is his throne or excuse me, the heaven is his throne. He's enthroned, that's his recliner, and the earth is his footstool. He kicks his feet up on the earth like, this is mine. I own it. If you can put your feet up on it, you own it. Look at your neighbor say you own it. If you put your, you don't put your feet up on stuff you don't own. If you do, you might get in trouble. Right? (laughs) He owns it, so he sticks his feet up on it. Well, everything belongs to him, according to scripture. Do you know that? Our children belong to Him. Our careers, our jobs belong to Him. Our stuff belongs to Him. Might, might I even say our money. Friends, it's all His. <laughs> I heard a bad joke one time, and I, I don't even know if I shared it. I'll share it uh, anyways. There's this, guy, this guy, he was like talking about giving to God or whatever. He said, okay, God, I'm going to throw my money up in the air, and everything that you catch, you keep, and everything that hits the ground is mine. <laughs> yeah, that's not the best way of dealing with your money. That's stupid. What if he threw it up in the air and the wind blew it off? I mean, it's over. (laughs) You you called it right. Whoops. So I get you know. I just want to talk. The kingdom is resourced by money. We we do uh, here at Vision Ministries. We do a lot of fundraising to keep the ministry going. Here, just just know that friends, we're not buying gold toilet seats, and we're we're not. Uh, you know driving Cadillacs and we don't we don't miss appropriate finance We but we want to be the absolute best stewards Because we believe that the resources and the money that are brought into this ministry Is meant to help change lives and to help reach people and that's why we do our outreaches That's why we do our block parties. That's why we do vision kitchen and so friends understand this we 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 you can ask anybody on our board We are on a slimline budget here. We don't, we don't have a lot of surplus. You know, we, 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 church almost lives paycheck to paycheck or what you would call, you know, offering to offering. Because we believe that, that the money that, that we receive here is to reach people. And so that's why we, we pour money into all of our outreaches and things like that. Because the kingdom is resourced through money. I mean, if you, if you have ever walked out there on the, in our foyer and you see that little thing that has all those pictures, those are missionaries that we, South Toledo, that we support, that are going all across the nations preaching the gospel because they're being supported by us. Because the kingdom of God is resourced through money. Okay, We're not with them, but spiritually we are when we're investing in them to be able to stay in those countries and preach the gospel. So we're going to talk about the three Ts about money. Three Ts. Say three Ts. Mr. T, I pity the fool. The three Ts about money. So number one, friends, the first thing about money is it is a tool. Say this with me. Say, it is a tool. a tool. Money is a tool. Friends, it's how we pay our bills. It's how we exchange good for services. Friends, for the church, it's a tool. Uh, you know, it's how, what we use to help resource to bring people to Christ and those type of things. If you were to look up the word tool in the dictionary, this is what it means. Real simple. A tool is defined as a device or implement, especially one held in the hand used to carry a particular function. And so like we'll use money to do what? To pay our bills, right? To trade good for services, blah, 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 blah. Okay? It's a tool. And so if you're a carpenter in here, then you've been trained with the tools of the trade. Any carpenters we got in here? Anybody car, any, Anybody carpenter? Okay, we you carpenters in here. And so you've been trained with the tools of carpentry, right? If you're a painter... You're trained with the tools that you use to paint. Any painters we got in here? We got some people that paint. Raise your hand. Come on, Chris, get the hand up high. I know you're a painter. We got some painters. Painters, good. So if you're a painter, right, you know how to move that brush or use that roller. Okay. If you're, if you're a machinist, you've been trained on the machines that you're running. If you're a doctor, if you're a computer programmer, whatever it is, you are trained with the tools that are used, uh, that you use so that you can function and do what you are supposed to do. But the problem is friends just as money is a tool many of us aren't trained with the tool of money Many of us we're not trained and so what we learn is we learn how to survive and where the Lord has called us to thrive But the only way that you can thrive is that if you fully understand the concept of the of tool of money being a tool in a biblical way So you know the pro, you know how many here would would Anybody got small children? Grandchildren, small grandchildren? Who in here would give their five-year-old or six-year-old the keys to their car? And just say, here, go figure this out. Absolutely not. We have, right, we wait to a certain age, right, they gotta be sixteen. They have to go through driver's ed. They gotta have so many hours behind the wheel. They gotta take a test. Right? There are, there are strict regulations and rules because a vehicle is what? A tool from you to get to point A and back to point B. And if you got a good car from point A to point B back to point A. If it's not a good one from point A and you get stuck going to point B and you gotta call somebody to help you out to get a tow or jump or whatever. But hopefully for the most of us in here, we get from point A to point B back to point A. It's a tool for what? To help us to get around town, right? To go visit our family down south or wherever they live. It's a vehicle. It's a tool. And we train people properly how to use that because what? If they're not trained properly, it is a destructive tool that takes people's lives. In the same way money... Is something that you know what it destroys people when they're not properly when they're not properly trained how to use it. If you go and do some research, look at how many people ever win the lottery. We all believe, we all believe that all I need to do is win the lottery and I'll be set for life. Go back and look. You know, do you know the majority of the people that win the lottery end up going bankrupt? Within 10 years they lose their fortune. Why? Because just because they got a lump sum of money, they didn't know how to properly handle it. Like it's like I said, it's like giving the five-year-old of, of uh, your keys. They don't know how to use your car. And so when you give somebody that, that isn't properly trained in money a whole lump of, of, of money, and that's what we think, man, all I need is more money. You no, know, you have more money, you're going to have more problems. Look at your neighbor say, more money, more problems. The Bible says, it says this, it says that the poor go to bed and they sleep well while the rich go to bed worrying about their many possessions. So I'm getting off track. Let me get back here. So friends, many of us aren't trained with the tool of money in a biblical way. Many of us aren't trained how to live and how to use our money in a way that honors God. We let it slip through our fingers. We don't know how to use it. We haven't been cro- properly equipped. We don't know about income and expense and budgeting and sowing and reaping and tithing and storing and balancing our checkbook. We don't know about all these things. We don't know about living on 80%. And I mean, I mean, there's just so many things. Look at your neighbor say money management. Money management. I heard one time, I, I was at a, a conference one time and there's this guy and he was prophesying. He was like, he was like, the Lord says more money. Look at your neighbor and say more money. And they were saying, more money. And I looked at my person that was with me. I said, how about more money management? Because that's, I don't think we need more money. I think we need money management. (laughs) Don't shoot me down. Don't shoot me down. Here we go. The problem is, is that most people don't view money as a tool. We view it as an idol. So it doesn't work for us. But we work for it. You were never called to work for money. Money was called to work for you. So if you are working for it, then you're enslaved to it and it's, a, it's become an idol. Now, again, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, with, with being resourced and blessed and having money. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with working overtime. There's nothing wrong with busting your butt. There's nothing wrong with any of that. We're actually supposed to do that stuff. We're supposed to work hard. But friends, when you are working for it and it's not working for you, then there's a problem. And there are too many Americans that are working for money instead of having money work for them. Oh me, it's quiet up in here. There are many people when it, if money is an idol in your life, you're a slave to it. And you don't even recognize it. This is why Jesus said in Luke chapter 16 and verse 13, He says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. He said, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and what? Money. Because God already knew that there would be people that would want to serve money. You can't serve both God and money. It can't be an idol. If it is, and you need to break that thing, right? Smash them idols, just like, just like, uh, what was his name? Just uh, Gideon did, and smashed his his father's idols late at night. He went out there and busted all those ash poles down. Smash those, smash that. If, if money has become an idol in your life, smash that piece. Because friends, you can't serve both God and money. I like what it says in Proverbs chapter three. I love or chapter thirty verse seven through nine. I love this. In Proverbs chapter three, uh, verse seven through nine. This, uh, the, the, the writer of Proverbs says this, it says, Oh God, I beg two favors, two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never tell a lie. So this guy wants to be a, a, a man of truth. Friends, you gotta be a person of truth. Amen. You know, don't allow, don't allow deceit to come from your mouth. Because the, the devil is a liar and the father of it. And if you're a person that speaks lies, then you're, you're talking the, the language of the devil. Amen. <laughs> you got the wrong daddy. Amen. <laughs> so he, so, so the psalmist is saying, you know what? I, I want to speak truth. But then here's the second favor he's asking the Lord. He's like, help me to be a truthful person. And here's the second. It says, second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you saying, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I might steal and thus insult God's holy name. Wow. Do you know that has been God's plan for our life since the beginning? Back when he released them from Exodus and he saved them, he what? He gave them manna every single day. And they what? They they went out and they got manna every day, right? Amen? Anybody? Anybody see... See that? Or ever read that? Why is Jesus in our prayer, right? The Our Father, why does He say what? Give us this day our weekly bread, our monthly bread, our yearly. Give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because I believe that is, that is the parallel of our lives in alignment with God that He's providing for our needs. Again, it's not, you know, of of course we're supposed to save. Of course we're supposed to, you know, do that type of things. But that we, that, not that we have so much we have so much of a, a, a stored up that we're like, you know, I don't really need to ask God for anything. I don't really need to help ask him, you know, because I'm good by myself or that I'm so poor. Now I'm insulting his name because I have to steal just to eat. I love that. I think that's amazing. And friends, that's where the Lord wants us. He wants us to be in a place where we're blessed, where he's providing for our needs Right. And we're not thinking we're too good and we got all this money and we don't need God or that, you know, we're in a place where we don't have enough. And now we're insulting him because we're stealing from the government and we're we're we're, we're getting tax returns uh, where we're claiming people. That's not, uh you know, on there. And come on. uh Oh, come on. We just the first thing was just don't let any deceit come from my mouth, friends, when, you know, when you're when you're stealing from the government, that's deceptive. Do you know being honest is costly? A few years ago, being honest cost me $800 to the government because the the, the taxes weren't filed correctly and I had to refile and I had to owe them money. And the person who did it said, you know what, they didn't catch it, you know, we should let it go. And I said, no, I can't do that because it's not about, it's not about me not paying. It's It's about me being honest with God. And nobody even knows about that stuff, you know. Because if I can't be honest with my with my personal finances, how am I going to be honest with the finances that come that, that come through here? <laughs> well, I just want to let you guys know, and I don't and say this in boasting. I say this with the most respect. We have leaders here that have godly character. We have leaders here. That, that revere God and that respect God and that they're not here for selfishness and they're not trying to try to come up on people or any of that. I mean they have godly character. And I love that. We've got you have an awesome team here at South Toledo. And you can go ahead and you can just give them a round of applause. <laughs> All right, number two, okay there's enough of that. Number two, friends, here it goes. Uh-oh, this is the one that we ain't going to want to hear. But this is the one that's going to be the best one. Number two, friends, about money, it is a test. The three T's. It's a test. Now, I know some of y'all hate taking tests. Who in here loved taking tests? Go back to when you were a child and you, uh-oh, test day. Who hated that? Everybody. Come on, raise your hand. Nobody likes taking tests. Some of y'all were so happy to be out of school. No more tests. Nope, sorry. Sorry. Your life, you're still in school your whole life and you're going to be taking tests it may not be a written test but friends god takes us through tests in our life and so money is it becomes a test the lord will test us with it to ask us this one thing do we trust god do you trust him do you trust him Mark chapter six verse thirty four through forty four. I'm not going to read the whole story. I have it up there, but I don't want to read it for the sake of time. But uh, I'm going to just read uh, uh, the first. Uh, go ahead and uh, go to the next slide, Pastor Ben. Um, uh, hold on. Let me see which which verse I want to read. Um, okay, here I'll just I'll just paraphrase this whole story. So what's happening is is Jesus he's he's in the wilderness. There's all these people that are following him. There's about five thousand people that are following him. He's teaching and all this other stuff. And so the disciples say, hey, you need to send away the people because they're hungry. They've been with us all day. They need to go get something to eat. Jesus looks at his disciples and say, you feed them. And they say, this is their response. We don't have enough money. That's what they say. That's, that's the Josh Hester paraphrase. So we don't have enough money. We don't have enough. So what happens? They go and they get what? Five loaves and what? Two fish. Jesus takes those resources, He puts them up to heaven, He blesses them, and then He releases it out to the crowd, and what happens? It's miraculous. God multiplies it, and He feeds 5,000 men, not including women and children. God has the ability to take a little and make it enough for everyone. Okay, And there was leftovers. It said that they... Uh, that they went back and that they, they, uh, got twelve baskets of leftovers. So friends, when you release, when you release to the Lord, and He, He, He multiplies it, friends, not only is there enough, but friends, there is, there is enough for leftovers. But this is the thing, friends, first the disciples had to first give it to Jesus. They had to first give it to Him. Friends, we have to give God what we have in order for Him to make it enough. He can't multiply nothing. He can't, right? Even math tells us. Math tells us that what? That zero times one is what? Zero times two, zero times three, zero times 150 million is what? Zero. Can, so if you have nothing, If you're giving God nothing, but yet you're believing God to multiply it. Zero times zero is zero. They had to first place it in Jesus' hands for him to multiply. And so friends, if you're believing God to multiply your resources, are you placing it in his hands? It's a good question. Friends, many are waiting for this big break in their life. They're waiting for this ship of abundance to come in with blessing and, and they, you know, and they, and they fall into the trap that believe that, that God, you know, you're gonna ask God and He's gonna provide all your needs according to His riches and glory which are in Christ Jesus. But yet, you don't provide seed for Him to multiply. Friends, you can't, you're not gonna have a ship come in with resource if you don't send a ship out. If you stare at the ground and you're waiting for, for fruitfulness to happen, but you didn't put any seed in, you're not gonna get any results. I'm not a farmer, but it just makes sense to me. (laughs) If the farmer went out there and tilled the soil and didn't put any corn out there and said, okay, I'm waiting for my corn, it's not gonna happen! If you're you're wanting God to bless your resources, but you're not putting seed into the kingdom of God, He's not going to multiply it. And again, we're not a church that's about the money. I'm just going to let you all know. I like what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, because I believe that Paul puts it in good perspective here. In In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And then he goes on to say, each of you should give what you've desired in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, which means don't be manipulated into give. Amen. <laughs> I don't need to sit here and talk about what you should give and all this other stuff. We believe in tithing. That is a, that is a good biblical aspect of, of giving to the Lord. You know, and then and, and there's, there's, there's a lot... Of, uh, uh-oh, here we go. I'm about to go ahead and say it. There's a lot of people, you know, they don't believe in tithing. They're like, well, tithing was the Old Testament and this, that, and the other. Well, then go ahead and give New Testament. Because the Bible says in the New Testament, they gave everything. And it said they spread all of their stuff to everyone so that everyone who was in need had some. So you can give 10%, or if you want to get New Testament... Like the people want to argue, then are you giving your all? And it, I don't give Old Testament, I give New Testament. Do you? Do you sell all your possessions and give to the poor and go follow Jesus? Because that's what he told one person to do. Oh, shucks. Friends, because you know what? It's all about the principle of sowing and reaping. It really is. If you give generously, and then go on, it says this. Check this out. In verse 8 it says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times you have all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Friends, God wants us to come to a place that, friends, that we're provided for at all times. They didn't just say sometimes. It says able to bless you abundantly. Say abundantly. So that you can have all things at all times. Friends, we serve a God. We just heard the prophetic word. Friends, he lavishes his love on you. What good parent, what good father would want their child to starve or would want their child to not have enough? No, man. I know parents that work two and three jobs to put clothes on their children's backs. I know people they you know they do what they can, they they to to, to do what it is to take care of, of, the, of their children. Friends, God is a God who owns everything. And if you find yourself in a place where, where, where you're in scarcity, ask yourself, don't tell me, ask yourself, what kind of person am I? Am I a, am I a person that is a giver? Or am I a person that's a receiver? Because if you're just a receiver, that's like a leech. A leech is a person they strap onto somebody and all they do is suck, 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 suck. suck. Proverbs said that a a leech has two sisters. Give me and give me more. Are you a leech in the kingdom? Uh, Oh, oh, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) So again, we, you know, we, we practice, we practice a tithe, a tenth, a tenth of our increase. I mean, there's so many, there's so many biblical, uh, verses about that. And I just want to go ahead and let you know that you know that money is never an amount issue. It's always a heart issue. For example, check this out real quick. I'm going to just let you know this real quick. So check this out. So Jesus tests the rich man's heart in Luke chapter 18. Check this out. This is what's so cool. So Jesus, he tests the rich man's heart in Luke chapter 18. There's a man that says he was rich. He had many possessions. He came to, to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? He said, "You know, follow, you know, do this, you know. Honor your father and mother, blah, 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 blah. He said, I've done all these things since I was a young person. What else do I lack? Jesus looks at him intently and he says, the one thing you lack, he said, sell all your possessions, all your possessions, give to the poor, then come follow me. The rich man, the Bible says that rich man left away sad because of his many possessions. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, it's difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So then one chapter later in chapter 19, there's this short little guy. His name is Zacchaeus. This guy was fun sized. <laughs> and he couldn't see over the crowd, so he climbs up into a tree so that he can see Jesus pass by. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And so he's up in the tree, Jesus is coming by, he looks up at Zacchaeus, he says, I'm having dinner at your house today. Zacchaeus comes down and he invites him to dinner. So Jesus, so he invites Jesus in, they're having this big spread, this big sprawl, you know, they're eating. You know, they're being taken care of. Zacchaeus stands up and he says this. Lord, he says, if I have ever cheated anybody, I'm going to go ahead and give them back four times of what I cheated them. And on top of that, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. Jesus looked at him and said, truly, salvation has come to this man's house one chapter Jesus is telling a man to give everything the next chapter this guy only gives half of his possessions and he receives salvation why because giving has nothing to do with the amount and everything to do with the heart yes. when you when you are a giver it's not because and, and it's not it's never about the amount Jesus was standing there when when everybody's giving money check this out what if, what if <laughs> What if we passed the bag around and I stood there and watched what you put in it? What if I, we passed the bag around and I'm like, oh, what you putting in there, huh? What you doing? Because there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a time when, when Jesus is standing there where they're collecting money and he's watching everybody put money in the bag. And he's just watching. And you know, I can almost imagine, it doesn't say this in scripture, but I can just imagine because I know how people are. I can just almost imagine people are like, oh, Look at Jesus. Oh, he's standing up there by the money collector. Oh, shoot. Oh, I'm about to give a little bit of extra because he's, oh, he's going to watch, he's going to watch me give. I'm about to pull out a few more. And he walked by, you know, they're walking by and they're putting their money in. They're like, oh, Jesus, I'm about to watch this. Uh, Yeah, look at, I'm getting a little bit more today. Look at that, Jesus. And Jesus, you know, he, then there's this one lady, this old woman, she comes and she gives two mites. Another translation will say two pennies. And he pauses everything. He says, look, this woman, you know, I can just imagine people are given bags of gold. They're like, they're reaching deep in their pockets. They're given. He said, this woman has given more than everyone else because she has given what? Everything. It's never an amount. It's never an amount. It's always a heart. So if you have if you have a hard time releasing money to the kingdom of God, it is not because of the amount. It's not because, oh, I don't have I don't have enough money. No, it's because there is something in your heart that cannot release it. Wow. Goodbye, folks. I'm done. I'm going home. No, just okay. <laughs> Matthew chapter three. So, friends, again, remember what are we talking about? Number two, it's a test, right? Money is a test. Do we trust God? Malachi chapter three, verse seven through twelve, we're going to read this because this is the thing. Do you know that? God asks us to test Him. Matthew chapter, or excuse me, Malachi chapter 3 verse 7, it says, Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. You know, that's kind of the formula, the way that God works. God works, we have to step first and He's ready. He's waiting. We have to do the first step, that step of faith. He says, return to me and then I will return to you. Says the Lord Almighty, but you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Here, this is Jesus, or this is God talking. Josh Hester's not saying this. God says this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much of a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your your crops and the veins of your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then the nations will call you blessed and yours will be a delight in the land, says the Lord Almighty. Friends, God is so able to not only provide for you, I believe that when you take care of God's stuff, He takes care of your stuff. When you say, I'm releasing resources to the kingdom of God, God prolongs things. For real. In the Old Testament, it said that they went around the desert for 40 years and their sandals didn't wear out. Where did you find shoes like that at? Come on, somebody. I mean, I've had Nikes. Come on, I've had, I've had some shoes. But my shoes wear out. Right? And it don't matter. You can have Skechers or you can have LeBron James and they're going to wear out within a year or two. And then in some cases in some cases they wear out quicker. And in some cases you can have shoes for maybe even up to like four or five years. Some of you ladies, you got shoes for like 20 years. I don't know how yes, yeah, you store them up for that special occasion. You got 1500 pair of shoes. how is it that they could have the same sandals for 40 years? Because, friends, when God's, when His hand is on your stuff, it doesn't wear out. And I believe God does that. I, I really do. I believe, you know, when you have, if you find yourself in multiple financial problems, maybe it's because there's not the blessing of the Lord on it. I believe, I believe, you know, and I, and this may sound stupid. It may. But I just, I believe that when, when you are God's, if everything is His, and you dedicate it to Him, then He has to take care of it. And again, you know, we, technology and stuff, yeah, it breaks down. You have cars break down. It's not the devil. Okay? It's not. Okay? It it just, it is not the devil. Let me just tell you. Okay? You have a vehicle that's created by human hands, and, and, and hoses break, and things just don't work. It just, you know? Your, your, your hot water heater came out. It's not the devil. I mean, it's just, it's it's, you're going through a test, right? Because now you're like, now how am I going to pay for this $700 water heater when you don't have it? And then, you you know, and if you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you know, when we have stuff, we have stuff all the time break. God just shows up mightily all the time. He just does. He just does. Because then, then number three, friends, it becomes a testimony it becomes a testimony. When you see how faithful your God is, it becomes a testimony. It builds your faith. I mean, it sh- I mean, I mean there's just something there's something powerful about you releasing to the Lord resources you you giving to God and then seeing him multiply what you've g- I mean, it's just powerful. My wife and I, we've practiced tithing, you know, from the very beginning when we first got saved, and and we've been doing this our whole life. We we do above and beyond that. And and I say that in, in that we we don't pre- we don't we're not preaching something we don't practice. Okay, we give we give to missionaries we give to organizations. I mean we give away stuff. We just believe we want to be we want to be generous because God has been so generous to us. And I know I'm, I know I'm in I'm in with like minded people that have a heart of generosity. I mean. I mean you guys do you, we have we have people in here man that that give abundantly but God wants it to be a testimony when his provision I mean when God shows his faithfulness and man when you can say man look at what my God did look at what my God did look at what my God did I mean I could I mean I could sit up here for an hour and tell you where the Lord has challenged us to step out in faith and give and where he provided some other way But I want you to, I want you to find it out for yourself. I want you to trust God with your finances and see God do something in your life. Luke chapter 6, we got a few more verses here. Luke chapter 6 verse 38 says, give and it will be given, or excuse me, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount that you give will will determine the amount you give back. Again, just coinciding. If you give generously, you're going to reap generously. If you give sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. A few more verses here. Do you know that God never really intended... He never intended for us to just hang in there. Like, how are you doing today? Well, I'm just hanging in there. Holding on. You know, You know, we do have times like that. Mind you, we all go through that time. But if every time I ask you how you doing and you say I'm just hanging in there, there's a problem. Because the life of Christ, the life he's called us to live is not for you to just hang in there. Not for you to just hold on. Now, we have seasons like that. Don't get me wrong. There are seasons, man, where you are just holding on. And so just keep both hands holding on. But your life shouldn't be that season your whole life. I mean, you should. I mean, you should be living a life of of thriving, man. You should really be thriving in Christ. And I'm not talking about you having everything, all the toys. If you got those, that's awesome. You know, share some with us. You know, we, you know, take me on your boat trips and stuff. I, I'd have fun. But God, friends, He never again. You know, I, I 100% believe that God He wants us to enjoy. You know, if you work hard, God wants you to enjoy the the fruit of your labor. Amen. He does. He absolutely does. I mean, you know, we don't have to get so, so, you know, this, our minds so contorted that, that God, I mean, I mean, He created, He created the earth. When God initially created, He created it for our pleasure. And so even though it's a broken, fallen world, as we're passing through this, I believe that God wants us to enjoy the ride before we get to be with Him. And But we will. We'll, we'll, we go through hardships. We go through hard times. There are times you're going to be just holding on. But friends, He really wants us to thrive. He wants us to be good stewards. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to give the first fruits of our increase, our tithe. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, He says this, friends. He says, Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, and then you will be what? Prosperous and successful. The Lord wants you to be prosperous and successful. But what's the first part? You can't can't receive the blessing without following the obedience aspect. (laughs) We want the blessing without obedience. Friends, blessings only come through obedience. Keep His Word. Meditate on it. Read it. You know, memorize it. Study the Scriptures. Put it in your heart. Follow the Lord, then you'll be prosperous and successful. Last, last uh, few verses here, Deuteronomy chapter thirty, verse ten through eight. It says, "You will again obey the Lord and follow all of His commands I'm giving you today. Then the Lord your God, right? Amen. Then the Lord your God will make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the, pro- the, cl- the crops of your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous." <clears throat> Just as He delighted in your ancestors. If, say if. If you obey the Lord your God and keep His commands and decrees that are written in the book of the law and turn to the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul. Friends, the Lord wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to thrive. But we have to align ourselves with obedience. So friends, money matters to the kingdom. I believe the Lord wants to give us a biblical perspective on money. Friends, that money, you know what, let it not get a hold of your hearts. Don't let it grip a hold of you. We want we want God to teach us how to be good stewards of what He has entrusted to us. And friends, I believe the Lord wants us to live a life of extravagant giving. Would you stand to your feet with me today? You know, it's awesome when you when you preach a when you preach a message that somebody else is living, man, it's easy for them to say amen. Wow. Like Amen. I I know when I'm preaching a message and it's the truth of the word and the people are living it, they're like, amen. Why? Because they're living that out. And so, friends, if there were verses that you couldn't say amen to, then let's ask the Lord that those that those verses would come alive in your life today. Would you close your eyes with me today? And right where you stand right where you're at, would you just make an altar to the Lord? Would you just, st- right where you're standing, just just make a place where you're meeting with Him? And then ask Him. Say, God, am I serving both You and am I, am I serving money? Does money have a grip on my heart? If it does, I pray today. Whew. If it does, I pray today that that thing would be smashed. I pray that I would be a man or a woman who lives a life of extravagant giving. And I pray that you would, God, give us the faith to step out. Step out small, friends. Step out small. If you have the faith and you've never stepped out, step out small. I pray that God would give you the faith that would increase your faith to step out somewhere and see God show up and show off in your life. Lord, would you give us the faith to step out? Father, I just decree in the name of Jesus, I just decree that we would be men and women of faith. I pray that Lord, I thank you. I want to say thank you. I want to just bless every person in this room. Because, God, Vision Ministries is filled with men and women that are generous, that give above and beyond. Father, that believe in sowing and investing into the kingdom. And we see that through our outreaches, God. We see that through the money that comes in. We see that through, God, when we, God, do our fundraisers. God, thank you. Would you just, God, would you just release and continue to release and supply every single need, God, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that, God, Your Word says that, God, that we would be such a blessing. I pray that we would be a blessing to those around us. I pray that we would be a blessing to our children. We would be a blessing to those that we work with. We would be a blessing to our neighbors. God, we would be a blessing to our brothers and sisters in Christ. In the name of Jesus. God, let not money have a hold of our hearts. Give us a heart to be a good steward. And just ask Him. You, I, I believe that the Lord wants to instruct us on how to properly manage our, our finances. Maybe you're amazing. Maybe you're a whiz. Thank you. But maybe you need a little bit of help. So let's just say, that, Lord, would you release the wisdom of heaven? Would you give us the ability to get tools and resources to help us to properly manage our money, manage the finances that flow, God, to Manage the resources that you give to us. We want to be good stewards, God. We want to be good stewards, Lord. In the name of Jesus. And God, would you continue to allow Vision Ministries to be such a blessing to the city of Toledo? Would you allow us to to bless and be a lighthouse in South Toledo and in Waterville? And Lord, would you use every resource, God, that comes through here to be a blessing to our community? And Lord, we say we love you, we bless your name, you be high and exalted in our life. You be king of our life. And you know, maybe you're in here today, I know we've been talking about money, maybe you haven't made a full commitment to Christ. Maybe you've come to church a few times and you've been kind of hearing about this thing and man, God's been kind of tugging on your heart, but you haven't really said, God, I want to fully commit myself to you right where you're at, would you just go ahead and make that commitment to God right now? Or maybe you've made a commitment to the Lord at one time in your life, but you know you've kind of struggled and strayed away for a while, and God's been tugging on you, and so you've, you've been coming back around.